tattooed debutantes and wasp wasted men by frank g carpenter this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the dutch and the australians have some rare birds to keep in order in their colonial aviary of the pacific the natives of new guinea are even wilder and more savage than those of borneo there are thousands of them who go naked save for the breech-cloths of bark worn by the men and the short petticoats of woven grass with which the women are clothed sometimes the women wear skirts of long leaves frequently placing one layer upon another in the form of flounces the leaf skirts extend from the waist almost to the knees and along with a necklace of shells or beads form the entire clothing sometimes the skirts are made of the fiber of bark along the extreme northern coast there are tribes which go entirely naked except for a necklace of dog's teeth and a few bird of paradise feathers stuck in their hair others paint themselves in stripes of white red yellow and black and some scar themselves with flints and also by burning their flesh as the japanese do with the leaves of the moxa in the far eastern part of the island both men and women tattoo their faces and bodies in a hideous fashion and in some places tattooing is the prevailing and exclusive style of dress the patterns often cover the whole body and among certain tribes tattooing forms the coming out suit of the maidens getting such a dress is exceedingly painful but my missionary friends tell me that the girls are anxious to be in the fashion and submit cheerfully despite the torture it entails the girl to be tattooed lies down on the ground while the ink is pricked under her skin in the various patterns by means of thorns dipped into the ink and driven under the skin with a little mallet such dressmaking is slow but a suit once made lasts a lifetime among some tribes a man is not tattooed until he has a killing to his credit the new guinea natives constitute the papuan race and are a people different from the malays who live farther west from the aborigines of australia and from the many other races of the pacific the papuans are of several varieties in color they range from a sooty brown to a black almost as intense as that of an east african negro the typical papuan is quite tall but pygmy tribes have been discovered living in the mountains of dutch new guinea these people are well named papuans which means woolly haired their hair stands out from the head and is often threaded through bamboo tubes or pipes out of which it sticks like great tassels if you put your hand down on it it feels springy like a hair mattress in some parts of the island it is possible to tell by her hair or the lack of it whether a woman is single or married the married women are all bald-headed and the sensible man does not attempt to flirt with a hairless female a maiden wears her natural wool until the wedding but after that she shaves off every bit of it close to the scalp and keeps it so shaved for the rest of her life this is a serious matter until the foreigners came the razors were sharp flints but now the natives use broken glass and there is a steady demand for soda and beer bottles which the natives break up for their tonsorial operations with other tribes a woman's bald head means that she has lost her husband a widow must shave off all her hair smear her body with black or yellow ochre 
and wear mourning for a long time often the widow is the only well-covered woman in the community for she adopts a long grass mantle and wears something like a great poke bonnet on her head the papuans mourn for men but not for women as soon as a man dies a great wailing is set up and the mourners cover themselves with mud the howling continues all night accompanied now and then by the tap 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 of the tom-tom toward dawn the corpse is taken off and buried a path is frequently made through the jungle to the sea so that the spirit may bathe a little later the body may be dug up and the bones cleaned and put away in a cave or near the former hut of the deceased walter goodfellow leader of a british ornithological expedition into dutch new guinea tells how he started in to buy some skulls of departed papuans which were being kept in the natives huts as family relics the tribesmen were timid about bargaining at first but when they caught on they were eager to sell soon every house in the village had three or four skulls out for his inspection every papuan thinks that he has another self or soul which may occasionally leave his body during sleep and which hovers around for a time after death this ghost may haunt such of his relatives as have displeased him it is believed to have its home in the moon and to visit the earth when the moon is full the dead are always referred to in some roundabout way never by name as this might bring back their spirits i have photographs of papuan houses taken in eastern new guinea they are generally built upon piles a platform of poles is constructed first a skeleton framework is built upon this and mats of woven leaves or grass are fastened to it the mats are arranged so that they can be raised or lowered to keep out the mosquitoes and flies which are exceedingly troublesome in some regions there are houses built in the trees to which the people retreat in times of danger among many of the tribes the men and women live together on the apartment house plan in some places there are houses five hundred feet long and sixty feet wide containing sixty families or more such a house is usually divided by little partitions into pens built out to a central hall so that going through it would be like passing between the stalls of a cow stable in each one of these a family has its quarters the women do their cooking inside and the smoke finds its way out through the roof as it can these new guinea flats are very dark sometimes the pointed roofs extend as much as thirty feet above the floor the materials of the houses are usually poles and grass first a framework of poles is made and then the thatch of grass or banana leaves is tied on in others of the new guinea tribes the men live in a kind of clubhouse in which they sleep and eat while the women live in huts off by themselves a number of wives often being in one hut they cook their husbands food in their huts or on the ground outside and bring it to the men's house set it on the veranda and call to their husbands to come and eat it means death to a woman to enter one of these buildings which are reserved exclusively for the men the clubhouses are often of great size and look like immense hay ricks their thatched walls meet high up in the ridge of the roof entrance is gained through a hole at the front and there are no windows some of the papuan men lace themselves in with rope in order to reduce the size of their waists and stomachs they bind bark belts from two to ten inches wide tightly about their bodies compressing themselves so that full-grown men acquire waists 
as small as those once fashionable for our women at home it is said that the chief reason for this custom is that the men wish to persuade the women that they have small stomachs and are therefore light eaters in new guinea the women are the chief providers and the maiden who is looking about for a husband is supposed to prize highest the man who will be most easily fed a boy on being asked why he laced himself so tightly said i shall have to get a wife some day and if i have a big stomach no one will have me for this reason the men of these tribes seldom eat in the presence of the women and take their meals in the clubhouses the new guinea natives do not believe in much fat it is a disgrace to be stout and the men dread extra adipose tissue as much as do the women of america indeed the anti-fat quacks could do a thriving business in parts of new guinea in their diet the people are chiefly vegetarians they live on yams sago a kind of meal made from the pith of the sago palm the taro a sort of potato and bananas they are not particular however and when they can get them will eat kangaroos pigs dogs snakes and lizards they are fond of beetles and grubs or larvae which the women dig out of the trees and cook in the interior salt is hard to get and explorers often use it to buy sweet potatoes and sugar cane from the natives sea water carried inland in hollow bamboo is sometimes used in cooking salt is obtained too from the ashes of wood saturated with sea water the cooking is done on heated stoves or in pots where these can be had or the food is wrapped up in leaves and roasted in the embers in former german new guinea strangely enough the natives are natural beer drinkers they make a liquor by chewing the root of the kava plant and fermenting the saliva soaked mixture after a while it becomes intoxicating and is then used in ceremonial feasts tobacco is imported by new guinea in part of which it forms the chief currency among the natives for the dutch new guinea trade it is put up at rotterdam in a blue wrapper and the papuans refuse any other kind they both smoke it and chew it one of their little ways is to walk up to a smoker take the cigarette or cigar from his mouth and walk off puffing it with great satisfaction if he takes a fancy to your smoke it is not exactly safe to try to keep a native from doing this the tobacco sold in british new guinea is made up in sticks as long as a lead pencil and as big around as your little finger it is evidently well soaked with licorice or glucose or some other such mixture for it is as black as jet such tobacco is accepted in payment for goods at the store at port moresby and four sticks of it are the average pay for a day's work among the natives themselves tobacco is the most common currency so many sticks will buy a hatchet or a knife a set of pottery dishes or a necklace land is often purchased of the tribes by giving them hatchets handkerchiefs and tobacco with a shirt or a knife sometimes thrown in where the papuans have come in contact with white men articles of clothing are in enormous demand once acquired they are never taken off except to trade with the result that as they change ownership they grow more and more filthy and pass on to their new wares all sorts of disease because of this some of the australian magistrates say that it should be made a criminal offence for a papuan man to wear more than a loincloth or a woman anything except her short and sanitary grass skirt but the natives love anything in the form of a european garment 
and get themselves up in most fantastic fashion it is a matter of court record that one criminal was condemned for his sins to be deprived of his clothes this was for him a severe punishment not that he needed the garments but because they were his chief source of pride and distinction the natives are fond of their children they treat them well and are exceedingly affectionate one of the missionaries told me that in his ten years in the island he had never seen a father strike his child and that mothers never whip their children a queer thing is the papuan cradle it is made of the fiber of the banana woven into a bag into this the baby is dropped and the bag is then hung to one of the poles of the roof or to a tree and the baby swung to sleep if the mother goes out she merely unhooks the string and slings the cradle on her back carrying her baby about as the indian squaw does her papoose on the south coast there are some tribes which do nothing but fish and others which devote themselves to farming the farmers never fish and the fishers do not farm these tribes live close to each other and exchange their respective products sharp sticks are about the only agricultural implements known when the men work the land they stand in a row plunge their sticks into the ground simultaneously and thus pry up the soil the fishermen make their own canoes and some of them gather shells and pearls pottery and rope making are other native papuan industries not far from port moresby a certain tribe makes cooking vessels of clay every year the people send out a trading expedition which sails for several hundred miles along the coast and up the rivers selling pieces of pottery the men dig the clay with pieces of stone lashed to forked sticks the woman potter takes up a lump of clay and makes a hole big enough to get in her right hand with this she gives the vessel a rude shape and at the same time hollows it out next it is smoothed off with flat sticks and the palms of the hands after being dried in the sun several days the pots are baked in heaps of hot ashes when some hundreds have been manufactured the people make a raft of several long dugout canoes lashed together to a width of about twenty-four feet they then build a deck over the hole and set up two masts each of which carries a huge mat sail the pots are put in crates and stacked on the deck to be taken to port moresby or the fly river country where they are exchanged for food supplies chiefly sago in the development of the thinly populated areas of new guinea the matter of labor supply offers some difficulties the whole number of natives is much less than a million most of whom lack both interest and training for work when the germans controlled a part of the island they used to import labor for the plantations growing rubber coconuts and hemp this is contrary to the policy of the british and australians who have forbidden anyone to bring in workers from other countries for laborers now in new guinea and the rest of the territory under its administration australia has special ordinances providing for a ten-hour workday six days a week and a minimum monthly wage of five shillings for men and four shillings for women and boys with board lodging and medical attention besides there is neither slavery nor forced labor another problem the europeans must deal with is cannibalism especially as they penetrate farther and farther into the interior along the coast where the missionaries have been most active and where the natives have come in contact with civilization the practice has died out 
but farther inland head hunting and cannibalism are not unusual among some of the interior tribes for example before a house can be occupied or a new canoe launched it must be sprinkled with human blood and so the people make raids on nearby communities to get it the heads of the victims are dried in the sun while their bodies are cut up cooked and eaten although cannibalism is fast dying out it is sometimes hard to get the papuans to understand that human life has any great value and that murder is a crime the report of a new guinea magistrate tells how two natives of the coast range appeared before him charged with cutting the throats of two carriers they admitted the crime and explained that they had done it because the men were strangers far away from their own village and looked cold and hungry they had not eaten the carriers but thought it a kindly act simply to kill them and put them out of their misery another native on trial for nearly killing his wife could not be made to see that he had done anything especially out of the way his explanation was that when he was in a hurry to go to school his wife had been slow in bringing him his primer the missionaries have been at work in new guinea for many years there are now a large number of native evangelists and the people are slowly but surely growing out of their wild state and acquiring some degree of civilization a number are christians the attendance of native children at the various mission schools in the british territory is compulsory if english is taught sometimes the missionaries are severely criticized by the europeans but in one of his annual reports the australian administrator of new guinea says of them the civilizing influence which the mere presence of a missionary has upon the native population and the fact that all native schools in papua are conducted by missionaries together with the devoted assistance which the missions have given in combating the epidemics with which the territory has been visited constitute in my opinion a sufficient answer to the contention that the missionaries have done no good upon broader grounds i think not only that the missions do good but that they are absolutely necessary to the development of backward races end of tattooed debutantes and wasp wasted men by frank g carpenter read by betty b